Is Taras at work vaccine questions? You can call Lior and his team anytime and have a conversation. Get educated. 1-855-821-5900 to reach Lior and uh, his crew or help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll try to get to some some email a little later on in the show. But uh, we're going to get going with the topic of the uh, day. No, your employer is not allowed to do this following list of things. That is coming up. But, pal, we always start with the week that was. How are you? Hey, John. Wow. What a whirlwind uh, week uh, for me. I'll, I'll mm. touch on that in a second, but uh, I, I'm so excited always to be here. I swear, every time I say this on the show, but there's more questions every week, more issues coming up with employment law. COVID-19 has really shuffled the deck when it comes to our understanding of our employment rights, our entitlements, our obligations as employers. So if you have a question about your situation, the law changes often. What may have been right six months ago may not be right now. So it's the time to call on the show so you can get some answers. Maybe you have questions about whether or not your employer can make you get vaccinated. We'll talk about that more later as well. Maybe you've lost your job and you don't feel it's right. You don't think that the reason they gave you is accurate. Well, let's talk about what you're owed and can they do that? Maybe your job is changing or maybe you're still sitting at home waiting on a layoff, waiting to be called back to work. You want to talk about how long that can last, whatever the issue, whatever the problem. I promise you there are answers, there's solutions. You can get help right now at this moment. So call us. Let's get a conversation going. Let's get you some answers so that you can walk away feeling better. But of course, you may not be able to get through or you may not want to. Either way, you have that other option, which is to call me off air or to email me off air so we can have a private discussion. We'll give you that contact information throughout the show this morning. But with that said, I said that it's been a busy week, so let's touch on that. Uh, One of the reasons it's been busy for me personally is uh, we got a court decision on the Uber class action Mm -hmm. that I've been involved in. And for those that uh, may not know what I'm talking about, I'm uh, spearheading, it's already been a number of years now, uh, a class action on behalf of Uber drivers against Uber, taking the position that the drivers really are employees in the eyes of the law and have the rights of employees, overtime, vacation pay, termination pay, etc., Obviously, Uber opposes it and takes the view that they are independent contractors. With class actions, it's always a long process, but we recently got the decision of the court on the certification motion. The court agreed with us that the matter has merit and has to proceed to a trial on the issue. Uh, By certifying it, the court said that, yes, these drivers have common issues. They all are in the same boat. They should be having their rights determined together And there's enough to indicate that we absolutely could be right here. So that's very good news. And that's an indication that there's going to be a a shift here, I think, hopefully at some point, about how these drivers are uh, considered in the eyes of the law. So that's important for Uber drivers, but it's also important for everyone else to remember. You may be an accountant. You may be a truck driver. You may well be misclassified. You are oftentimes in a situation where someone calls you an independent contractor, or even you believe that you're an independent contractor, the law may consider you to be an employee, despite what you think or what you've signed. And because of that, you may have rights that you didn't realize. You may be owed termination and severance pay if you lost your job. You may be owed vacation pay and overtime pay. All these things you may have thought that you're not owed because you're an independent contractor. Well, I think that uh, the, the law recognizes that those issues happen if you have been misclassified or you think you are, 
Let's talk about that. Give me a call either right now on the show or at the office. And, of course, for Uber drivers, it means that there's hopefully light at the end of the tunnel. So certainly a very exciting thing to have happened this week, John. You know, and I, I guess all the other ride-sharing uh, programs, I mean, some people drive for more than just Uber. They drive for several. You see the stickers up on the windshield. But I guess this is going gonna, gonna to rattle the industry as far as the other ride-sharing programs are concerned, right? Absolutely. Once this issue with Uber is decided, one way or, or another, frankly, it's going to impact on your DoorDashes and all the other uh, mm-hmm. gig economy companies, all the other ride-sharing companies. So because of that, you know, the lifts of the world. So it, it's a big deal. It's a new economy, and, and we're going to make sure that the laws apply to those people in that economy as well. Again, you want to reach out anytime to Lior and his crew, one 821 Questions about that, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. There is another fantastic resource uh, for you, free and anonymous website, all things to do with employment law, including yeah, that severance pay calculator. It's still alive and kicking and extremely useful as well. What else, uh, what else you got going on this morning? So our regular listeners have heard me say, hopefully many times, how difficult it is for an employer to establish just cause for termination. How difficult it is for an employer to let someone go without severance. It's not enough to show that the employee did something wrong, etc. I have a, a case that uh, came across my desk this week that I think makes that point very, very well. Uh, in this particular situation, a gentleman had worked for a company for a number of years, good salary, and he wanted to do his MBA. Uh, and he thought that that would be very beneficial for his employer as well. Mm. So he talked with his employer uh, and said, well, if I go do my MBA, will you guys pay for it, pay the tuition? It's expensive. It's an executive MBA, over $100,000 in tuition. Will you guys pay for it? Because I think it could benefit the company if I have that. So yes, his manager approved that. And he said, yeah, you can go ahead and get your MBA done and submit your receipts. We'll pay for them. So yeah, he enrolls, he submits his uh, invoices for the tuition. They pay that, they pay him about $100,000. He's doing his classes in the middle of them right now. All is good. Except he then gets a letter from some senior accountant or executive at the company saying, well, wait a second. You should have known that our policy is only to cover $35,000, not 100000 So you improperly submitted these receipts. So not only are we firing you for cause, we want you to pay us back the balance of the $100,000. So you're almost like 70 grand. So obviously very panicked. He calls me and he wants to know what to do. So here's the thing, John. It's the company's issue. They approved his uh, tuition. In fact, when he submitted receipts, it went through their process. Mm-hmm. Someone stamped it, yes, and they paid him the money. For them to say that he's the one that made a mistake, absolutely not. If someone made a mistake, it was over on the accounting side, not his problem. And number one, to say that that's just cause and to go the extra mile and to say that he has to pay them back is absurd. So that's a wrongful dismissal. They owe him severance to the tune of at least a year's pay. He's been there about eight years. I'm going to help him get that. But you know, just a very quick, simple reminder for everyone that oftentimes employers get this wrong. They try to terminate for cause when there's no cause if that happens to you, you may be owed your full severance up to two years' pay, and you need to give me a call. Wow. So not only do they not reap the benefit of him completing the MBA because they let him go, they're also on the hook for the remainder of the money. I think heads are going to roll, but it ain't going to be his somewhere in that organization. That's 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 tough. That's brutal. It is, it is brutal, and they made a mistake here, and yep. they try to make him the scapegoat. Unfortunately, that's not how it works, John. 
Wow. Uh, no, your employer is not allowed to. We'll get to a couple of these before we take a, a short break. These are really important. If you're not sure about any of these, that's why we bring them up on the show uh, today. And uh, number one is, no, your employer is not allowed to demand. This one's really topical. Demand that you get the vaccine or ask questions about your vaccination status. Talk a little so, bit about that one. Yeah, John, this is a big issue. And, and we, you can't turn on the news without hearing about these things. These things are, are changing quickly. So let's kind of make some sense out of this. In most industries, and I'll talk more about some exceptions, in most industries, your employer cannot require you to get a vaccine, even if you don't have a good reason, even if you don't have a medical condition that prevents you from being vaccinated, your employer cannot demand that you get a vaccine, and in fact, can't even ask you if you have been vaccinated. That is personal information, private information, and in fact, the Occupational Health and Safety Act prevents them from asking you that question. So you have the right to decide whether you're vaccinated or not, and you can't be made. Now, where there's an exception is where the government says, employer, you don't have a choice. You have to make employees get vaccinated. Now, the federal government announced yesterday that with respect to some federal employees, starting in the fall, they're going to mandate vaccines. So people that are working for the federal government, in the railway industry, people in aviation, you're going to have to get a vaccine. And that potentially could extend to other federal employees, like those working in banks, uh, in telecommunications, etc. But that's only for those employees. The Ontario government has said that they're, may, they're likely going to announce that people in long-term care have to get vaccinated as well. If the government says you have to, then you have to. But for most other industries, okay, at least at this point, your employer still cannot mandate a vaccine. If they do, that could be a human rights violation. That could be a, a, a privacy rights uh, breach. It could be a wrongful dismissal. So please keep that in mind. You know, it's it's going to be interesting too. I mean, if uh, if people just simply continue to say no, what happens to them, right? Well, right now, the employer simply has to comply with what the government says they have to, ensure social distancing, masking, etc. Yeah. That's all the employer can do the, to these employees. At some point, if the government says, no, you can't allow them to work unless they've been vaccinated, at that point, the employer can potentially let someone go. We're not there. We may never get there. So employers often are taking kind of the law into their own hands. Mm. That's not appropriate, John. It is going to be crazy for the next couple of years for sure. We'll take a short break. Feel free to reach out through email. And I want to mention as well, you can reach Lior and his crew. The uh, co-founding partner said, Firu Tamarkin, LLP, anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lots more on the way. It's the Employment Law Show. All righty, welcome back, and uh, good you're still with us. Again, the topic for today, no, your employer is not allowed to. And if you want to reach out to uh, Lior and his team confidentially anytime, even when the show's not happening, email help at employmentlawyer.ca and call 1-855-821-5900. You can also go to the website, employmentlawyer.ca, get the advice you need, compensation you deserve. That's what this is all about. Don't sit back in your laurels and wonder if you're owed anything or owed less or more, just clear it up right away. Contact Lior and his team. You can also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. They've helped thousands of people across this country. So be one of them for sure. As we uh, stand by and get another call on the air here, I want to get back to our, our topic, Lior. No, your employer is not allowed to. How about this? Reduce your pay because, oh, you're working from home. Yeah, and this is also something that's come to the news. We heard, for example, that Google in the United States is saying that if you work from home, you're going to be paid less. 
first of all, before we talk about the legality of it, think, mm-hmm. John, how absurd that is. So the employees that use less resources from the employer, less electricity, less office equipment, less offices, will get paid less. Where those that come in every day, they need their own space, equipment, they use more electricity, more water, those we're going to pay more money to. How absurd is that? Uh, it's, yeah. it, it makes no sense. But forget about sense, let's talk about law. So from a legal standpoint, if your employer says to you, you have to work from home, we've decided uh, you can't work in the office, they cannot pay you less for doing that. That would be completely inappropriate because it's not your decision. So right off the bat, they cannot, first of all, they actually can't make you work from home, but even if you want to work from home in that situation, uh, if they make you, you can't get paid less. On the other hand, if your employer says, hey, employee, you're welcome to come into the office every day as usual, no problem. But if you want to work from home, sure, but you'll have to accept a pay cut. So it's up to you. In that situation, that is legal because your employer is not making you do it. He's giving you the option and you can choose whether you want to work at full pay in the office or at less pay at home. So it really does depend. If your employer is making you, can't reduce your pay. If your employer is simply giving you the option, you can choose whether to accept it or not. But keep in mind what I said. If you usually work in the office and now your employer says, from now on forever, we want you to work from home, that is actually not something your employer can force on you. That could be considered a constructive dismissal. If you're ever in that situation, if you're not comfortable with what's happening, hopefully by now you know what to do, you give me a call. And that number any other time as well, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is how you uh, do you reach out. We'll get to more of those talking points, but uh, always phone calls, top priority. Good morning. I, I don't see your name on the call screen, but hello. Who is this? Hello? No, don't have? Hi. Who, uh, who are we speaking with? It's Larry Toronto. Hey, how are you? Go ahead, Larry. What's up? Hey, not bad. I just got a question. Uh, 25 years in construction, and we builders and developers use um, the trades, but it's the same trade over and over and over. The same employees working for the same company for 20 years. What? They're subcontractors of the general contractor, but they're all working for the same builder, mm. the same employer under a different corporate name. So what's the difference between that and a subcontractor that works for Uber? I know. I understand it. I'm only working for Uber. But if I work for DoorDash and I work for Uber, there are two different sources of money coming in. So why is it that the construction industry could get away with paying the builders, not really hiring anybody but a couple of laborers and a superintendent and everyone else as subcontractors, and they're not looked at as employees? So that's an excellent question, and the answer is actually fairly simple, and that is they are employees in the eyes of the law. Not even a question about it. If you work for the same builder, same company, if you will, as you said, for 10 or 20 years, you are an employee full stop. There's no way around it. But your question is, how do they get away with it? And the answer to that is... How do they get away with the CRA? How come they're all small little corporations and companies? Well, right off like everyone else, but you know, they they get away with it because they haven't been called on it, uh, and and oftentimes people don't want to rock the boat. But if an if one of those contractors says, "Well, wait a second, I'm an employee. You owe me all these entitlements," they will get them. Now, in terms of CRA, you know, oftentimes it's kind of the luck of the draw, and and uh, they, they may get away with things for years and years and years. But someone can absolutely pursue that, and I've I can tell you myself. I've pursued this many times successfully on behalf of certain trades 
that were misclassified as contractors or subcontractors, well, or they're in fact employees. Yeah. Not to interrupt you. So I'm a trade. I've been working for a general. I'm HVAC. So I work for an H. I'm an employee for an HVAC company, and that company gets the contract with the builder. But I'm always working for the same builder. You see what I'm getting at? So yes. Am I an employee so, of the, of the builder? Or am I an employee of the the contractor that hires me as a subcontractor? You're going to be surprised at my answer. Is the answer is you? You actually can be an employee of both at the same time, well, meaning they true. both have employment law obligations towards you. So, so you're actually an employee of both. Excellent, excellent. I'm glad I asked you that question. I'm glad I no problem. That clears up a few things. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day. So, what are the ramifications if Larry decides to move forward with that? What happens at that point? So it, he has certain entitlements. Now, right now, if, if he's getting his entitlements from the, uh, uh, the, the contractor that he works for, then mm. it's okay. It's not a problem uh, if he's getting his vacation pay and overtime, et cetera. But what happens if the, the contractor that uh, he's working for goes out of business? They go bankrupt. Right. They, they close their doors. And he's like, wait a second. I'm out of a job. Who's going to pay me my severance? I'm also owed money. I'm owed overtime. Who's going to pay me that? Well, he can pursue that against the actual builder because in the eyes of the law, both the builder and the contractor have employment obligations towards uh, towards Larry. So you could have more than one company, more than one entity that is your employer in the eyes of the law. It happens actually all the time. That is why you call the show. That is why you reach out to Lior and his team any other time as well. Uh, no, your employer is not allowed to. We're going to keep going down this list. Again, your phone calls, no problem. Bring it on. We'll keep talking to you. They are not allowed to put you. Oh, this one's huge. They're not allowed to put you on a temporary layoff. Let's rewind about 18 months to tackle this one, right, going forward. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our show, you're like, well, wait a second. I, I, I probably my radio is malfunctioning. I, I don't think I heard what I heard <laughs> uh, because I've been on a on a layoff or on a uh, leave, if you will, for many many months because of COVID nineteen. A bunch of my friends have been as well. So did I just hear that they that can't happen? Well, you heard correctly. Your employer, despite COVID nineteen cannot put you on a temporary layoff, or sometimes it's called uh, an infectious disease emergency leave, cannot do that, despite what regulations the government has implemented. That's not allowed, meaning there's no way to actually stop your employer from doing that, meaning, though, you have this option if you've been put on this layoff. You have the option and the right to treat that layoff as a termination of your employment. In other words, you're not just suspended off in no man's land having to wait for the company to make a decision. You can make the decision if you want to say, by putting me on this layoff or by putting me on this infectious disease emergency leave, you've terminated my employment. And therefore, you have to pay me my full severance. Remember, of course, that severance can be as much as 24 months pay. So if you're on the layoff, whether you've just been put on one or you've been on one for 18 months, you can obviously continue waiting. I can't tell you how long you'll be waiting still. It could be a long time. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly option number one. Or option number two is you can say, no, enough is enough. I am not accepting that. I am treating this as a termination, and I want my severance check. If that is what you want, give me a call. 
if that happens and they decide to wait and eventually they do get called back, could be a month, two months, six months from now, further along than that. Now, the minute they walk through the door to work again, if they are put on another layoff two weeks later, now can they claim constructive dismissal or they've already missed the boat? They, they would have missed the boat. And the problem with yeah. accepting the layoff, and by accepting what I mean is you've sat at home and you went back to work when called back, is now you've given the company the right to do it again. So the company did not have a right to do it the first time, but you accepted it, and that's fine. It's your right. But by accepting it, now there's an implied term that says they can do it again and again and again. And that is the big, big problem because no one wants to be in a situation when they work for a couple months, they get laid off for a couple months, back and forth, back and forth. That's not a good way to work and live and, and pay your bills. So because of that, you have to be very careful about these temporary layoffs. In many cases, not, over, not every case, but in many cases, it may be better to say it's a constructive dismissal. I'm not accepting this. I'd rather take my severance check and move on to somewhere else. You have that right. The topic is no, your employer is not allowed to. We'll continue with that after a short break. And for quick answers on your workplace issues, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Discover your rights. It's free before and calling an employment lawyer, and it's anonymous as well. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Any other time, you know, one 821 5900 More Employment Law Show is on the way. All right, welcome back. Employment Law Show, indeed, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That is a website crafted by Lior and his team some time ago. It is all-encompassing when it comes to employment law. It's like having Lior with you at any time on your smartphone, your tablet, wherever you want, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you have questions that come up after the show, that's the place you want to go. It's free. It's anonymous. The severance pay calculator is there as well. And we also do, uh, for years now, a TV show. Go to employmentlawyer.ca and across the top, you can see a drop down menu to catch some of those shows as well. It's 30 minutes. You can check us out uh, on the small screen. How about that? But we are going to continue with the topic for today, and that is no, your employer is not allowed to change your pay, job description, or hours of work. Again, all of this is happening right now with employers bringing people back uh, from or during COVID-19 saying, you know what, we're going to get it back at it, but we got to manipulate a few things for you. We hope you don't mind, but they can't do that, can they? So, John, we talked before the break about those individuals that are off work on on a leave or on a layoff, you know, waiting to be called back to work. Unfortunately, oftentimes these individuals, when they finally get the the call, okay, you can come back to work, they're told something else. And well, yeah, you come back to work, but uh, mm-hmm. we're going to have to pay you less or we're going to have to change your shifts. Instead of working nine to five, you'll be working 12 to eight, or maybe you're going to work less hours, maybe at a different location. So we're going to change your job somehow. And of course, that could be very frustrating and it raises a lot of questions. Can they do that? Well, the answer is no with an exclamation mark. No, they can't do that. The reason they can't do that is because that would constitute, in most cases, a constructive dismissal. An employer does not have the right to make significant changes to the terms of employment. Mm-hmm. That's true now during COVID-19, during the pandemic. It's true as, as much now as it always was. So just like you can't decide and say, employer, I, I've come in today. I've decided that from now on, you're paying me 30% more. Thank you. We'll start that on Monday. How's that for you? Perfect. Well, you can't do that, right? And you're, you're laughing and it would be, be kind of funny if someone did that. But by the same token, your employer can't walk to your office and say, I've decided that effective Monday, I'm paying you 30% less. One is just as inappropriate as mm-hmm. the other. 
If an employer does that, you can say no. By doing that, you've breached the terms of employment. That's not our deal. And because it's not our deal, that's a constructive dismissal. So remember that. It's true now during COVID-19. And of course, as I said before, if you want to be that good soldier, and okay, I'll, I'll take one for the team. I'll take this pay cut because I want to help my employer out. That's yeah. good. And I'm not telling you not to do that. But you have to remember that by being that good soldier, you're giving your employer the right to do it again and again and again. So now you're taking that 10 or 20 or 30% pay cut because you're the good soldier. Well, what happens in six months if your employer wants to reduce you by another 30%? At that point, you won't be able to say no because you let it happen the first time. So very important to keep that in mind. If you're not sure what to do, what to say, or if this constructive dismissal uh, idea applies to you, before you do anything, call or email. We really need to talk about it. If you're really tight with your employer, say you've been there for years and everybody's uh, everybody's feeling the strain of the last uh, 18 months, can you you know do that? Can you take the pay cut if that's the situation, whether it's a pay cut or a job location, hours of work, whatever? Can you do whatever they're asking you to do with the, the caveat that, okay, I'll do this till the end of 2021 and then we're going back to normal in writing? Can you cover your rear end that way? Yes, but for that to really be powerful, you would need your kind of almost an agreement like with your employer where they say, yes, we've agreed that it's only for three months or however long. Right. I, I'm more concerned about situations where the employee simply says that it's better than nothing, right? Mm -hmm. It's better to say, I'm only going to accept this for three months than to say nothing and just continue working. But for me, really to be able to be comfortable with it, I would want your employer to say, yes, I agree. Yes, we've only are doing this for three months. And then after three months, if they don't increase your pay, it's still a constructive dismissal. But again, the best advice I'm going to be able to give today is this. If your terms of employment are changed or are threatened to be changed, before you do anything, before you write back, before you say anything to your employer, let's talk about it. Do so. Call Lior and a member of his team and just have this number, one 821 5900 You can search him online as well or email help at employmentlawyer.ca. No, your employer is not allowed to, and I love this one. I can never get my head around this one. Put you on probation after you've already passed the probationary period. <laughs> like, Yeah, and, and you, you can't wrap your head around it because it actually doesn't make any sense. No. But I've seen it happen many times where employers employer is essentially saying one of two things, either, okay, we're extending your probation, or you've already been working for a company, we're going to put you on probation. Well, it doesn't really matter. Your employer can't do that. And the reason your employer can't do that is the only time period during which your employer can let you go without any compensation is the first three months of employment. And of course, only if you have an employment agreement that says that. So anything that tries to say, well, we're going to extend this beyond three months, it's not valid. It's not legal. It can't happen. You, you would have to get your full severance even if you are let go despite the fact that your employer says that you're on probation. And because your employer can let you go at any time anyway, what's the point of extending the probation? Right. It makes no sense. So the reason why I want to bring this up is that you may think, oh, wait a second. They told me I was on this extended probation. Now they let me go. Well, I guess they don't have to pay me anything because I was on this probation. And you may walk away at that point from rights that you have. Please don't do that. If it's been past the first three months of employment, if your employer lets you go, even if they say you're on probation, frankly, even if they say you've done something wrong, you are still going to be owed your severance. And believe me, even after four months of employment, 
you could be owed a few months severance. So very important lesson there for everyone to remember. And now you know what to do if you find yourself in that situation. And I guess the the part two that we always bring up when we talk about probation in the workplace is a lot of people. I would I would dare say the vast majority of people in the you know the working public and the workforce assume that a probation period is automatic. Yeah, that is a, a huge misconception that both employees and employers mm-hmm. have, that well, it's assumed that the first three months I'm on probation because I just started a new job. No, probation doesn't exist automatically. The law doesn't come in and says, oh, for the first three months, you have to be on probation. Absolutely not. Probation only exists through an employment agreement that says you're on probation. So if you started a new job and you signed a job offer letter or an employment agreement or a contract of employment that says in the first three months you're on probation, then yes, you are on probation during that period of time. And that may mean that the company has certain rights to let you go with little or no compensation during those three months. But if you have not signed that, even on day one of your job, you are not on probation. And if you are let go, you are going to be entitled to severance. No, your employer is not allowed to refuse you to pay overtime if you actually worked the extra hours. Expand on that one. Absolutely. So a lot of employers may say, well, wait a second. I didn't ask you to work overtime. I didn't accept it or agree to it or approve it. So I don't care that you had to work extra hours. I'm not paying for it. No can't do that. If you worked overtime and it was legitimate, in other words, you weren't just sitting in the office doing nothing. If you worked overtime, it was legitimate. You had to work those hours to get the job done. Your employer has to pay you for that overtime, even if it didn't approve it. I'll go a step further. Even if they told you not to work overtime, but you did because you needed to to, to do it to get the job done, your employer still has to pay you. Now, in fairness, if your employer said to you, don't work overtime, and you did, that may become a disciplinary issue. They may say, well, we're going to give you a warning not to do that, but your employer still has to pay you for that overtime. So in Ontario, if you work more than 44 hours a week, you have to get paid time and a half for anything over 44, even if not approved by the company, even if you you kind of breached the policy, the policy said you have to get approval first. I'm not suggesting you breach the policy, not at all. You should always follow the proper protocols. But if you didn't and you worked, your employer still has to pay it. So they cannot avoid paying you for work actually done. Now, you know, we always we always encourage people in half for the last decade almost this show's been around to to call you and sidestep the Ministry of Labor just because, they, you know, their, their hands are tied or at least they don't have the resources to help with a lot of things when it comes to common law entitlements. But the overtime thing is is one of the avenues you can take with the uh, uh, Ministry of Labor, correct? I mean, they can still call you, but uh, they're okay to go to the Ministry of Labor for this one, no? Absolutely. And in fact, that's what I encourage people to do when right. it comes to overtime issues, to vacation pay issues, to holiday pay issues. Absolutely. You can and you should go to the Ministry of Labor. Where you cannot ever go to the Ministry of Labor is with respect to things that have to do with your job security. So losing your job, your severance, constructive dismissal, those types of things, it's not even about resources. The Ministry of Labor simply cannot, even if they had all the resources in the world, cannot help an employee get their full entitlements in that situation. In fact, it's not even close. So you you, you must run the other way from the Ministry of Labor when it comes to losing your job or constructive dismissal. But when it comes to money owing for work done, vacation, holiday, overtime, 
absolutely a good avenue to go to. Uh, so keep those differences in mind. We'll chop through one more of these before we take a uh, short break of what your employer is not allowed to do. And that would be, I can't believe this would happen, make up a bogus negative performance review. Yeah, well, John, honestly, it's one of the top five emails wow. or questions that I get is, you know, I got this this performance review. I think it's, it's, it's terrible. I don't think it's right. And what do I do about it? It happens all the time. Now, uh, obviously, if you get a performance review that's negative, or even if it's positive for that matter, it has to be legitimate. It has to be based on fact. It has to be based on evidence. It has to be based in reality. So if you did something wrong or if there's problems with your performance, then yes, your employer can and should note that in a performance review. On the other hand, if your employer is making allegations against you that are not correct or not corroborated by facts, things that they're, they're misunderstood, well, that's inappropriate. And that's something you can't and shouldn't just accept. Because if you accept it, then later on, it may make it easier for the company to try to let you go for cause. Because they say, well, we talked to you in the past about all those issues. You never said a word, so you accepted it. So if you get a performance review that's not legitimate, that's not based on fact, that you don't agree with, you have to say so. You have to, of course, say so in writing. Email here works beautifully. You send an email to your employer saying, you told me in my performance review that these are the issues. But here's, in fact, what you need to know, employer. Here's what you didn't take into consideration, or here's some additional information that you have to have. Put that in writing. Your employer doesn't even have to respond to that. But if you do that by, by having that there, you're going to protect yourself and make it much more difficult for the company to let you go. So always, always respond to what you consider to be an unfair or, as I call it, bogus performance review. Let's take one more short break to uh, reach out confidentially, by the way, to, uh, to Lior and his team anytime. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and 1-855-821-5900. Get that compensation deserved. Get some answers. We'll continue right here, Employment Law Show. All right, welcome back. Going to continue with no, your employer is not allowed to. A few more of those talking points to get us through the remainder of the show, but we always take the calls first. May, thank you for hanging on. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Fantastic. What's on your mind? Okay, so with the news um, yesterday about the federal regulated industry to be vaccinated, say, for example, someone works with the broadcasting sector. I want to know if they're not vaccinated, does that mean that the person has to get vaccinated by the end of October so as not to lose their job? Or could they wait and see what happens further with this mandate? Well, certainly we want to get some more information from the government. Right now, there's, there's no legislation yet. There was an announcement. But based on the announcement, yes, at some point in October, uh, employees are going to have to get vaccinated to continue working. Now, there's going to be exceptions and exemptions for those that may have uh, medical issues or legitimate religious reasons as to why they cannot get vaccinated. But based on the announcement, if we take it at face value, that yes, you you will have to, or those people that you've mentioned will have to get vaccinated at some point in October to continue working. So, uh, but again, we may get, and we will definitely get more information in the coming weeks. But that's how yeah. it appears to be. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. This is clarified. Um, what I thank you, May. Okay. You bet. Appreciate that. If you. Uh... Yep, if you have any other questions, any other time, here is uh, that number, one eight five five eight 
800-521-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Next up, John. Thanks for hanging on. Hi, John. Hi, how are you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, question. Um, my employer, I'm, I'm allowed three weeks uh, per year for vacation. And I'm not anything beyond 25 days. Uh, if I don't take it, they delete it. They allowed to do that. Uh, so they say you cannot accumulate more than 25 days because they yes. add, uh, I accrue days every, every week or every month or something. Yes. Yes. They absolutely, they absolutely can because the 25 days is more than the minimum mandated days that they have to let you accrue. So yes, they absolutely can, can cap that and also cap how many days you can carry over. Uh, and, uh, you, you could lose extra days uh, in that situation if you don't take them. So that would be ap- appropriate in this situation. Absolutely. Well, that sucks, but thank you. <laughs> no problem. That's <laughs> thank, a technical term. Thanks, I get it. John. <laughs> I know I've heard that before. Damn it. I can only carry so much. Then you use them or lose them is what they say, right? So you got to. You got to be on top of that. Uh, back to a couple more talking points here from the no, your employer is not allowed to files, and that would be take away your seniority by making you oh an independent contractor. Nice try. So, well, I got a call actually this week from someone uh, who said oh. that their employer said that they're going to be actually maybe even been on, on one of our radio shows, but it doesn't matter that the employer said that uh, uh, they're going to be letting the employees go and rehiring them as contractors, and probably that employer sat down down one day and said, oh my God, I am so smart. My gosh, no one has ever been as brilliant as I am uh, because I know what to do. I want to eliminate seniority, all kinds of obligation. I'll just let them go. The next day they start again as contractors. Wow, what a great idea. Except guess who's even smarter than that employer? And that is the law. The law is a bit smarter than that and that does not work. You can't let someone go and rehire them as a contractor. Guess why? Because they're still considered an employee. Giving them a different title does not change. It does not matter. It's irrelevant. Oh, and by the way, if you were, in fact, to let them go uh, properly, you would owe them severance anyway. So bottom line, and this happens fairly often. An employer says, well, we we need to make some changes here, so we're going to make everyone independent contractors. Well, that is meaningless. That's useless and pointless. Uh, All kinds of lessons only because it doesn't mean and do anything. You still are continuing to be an employee. I've had individuals that have worked for a company for, let's say, five years. Then for the last six years, they've been quote-unquote independent contractors. Then they're let go. Well, guess what? You're now an 11-year employee, meaning you wrote severance that way. So you can't just magically turn into an independent contractor if you've already been an employee. Quick answers, by the way, to your workplace issues when we're not doing the show, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can uh, get your rights there as well. I want to get to uh, one quick one just before we go. Last minute of the show, uh, they can't let you go without severance just because you did something wrong. Not that simple. No, we touched on that on the week that was. You may have done something wrong, maybe even a few things wrong, but that does not mean you're deserving of the death penalty, of the worst punishment, unless you did something awful stealing, sexual harassment, you know, fraud. Unless you've done that, if you lose your job, you still have to get paid severance. That would be a wrongful dismissal, being let go without that severance. So remember, doing something wrong does not equal no severance. The opposite, in fact, is true.
show is done, but the uh, door is always open for your questions and your contact confidentially as well. Reach out to Lior and his, his people, the co-founder, of course, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in this country. Here's how you do it. one 855 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And always remember this website, free, anonymous, full of employment law knowledge, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time, Employment Law Show.